Kevin O'Connell, Wes Phillips, all these coaches on the offensive side of the ball, they've probably seen that play over and over and over. And like Eric said, we got to find a way to put this guy on the field. And I think it's a really good problem to have. My number one memory is going to be the people. You know, there are great people in this organization. Seeing who these guys are as people is, is something I'll treasure forever. Welcome inside the TCO Performance Center Radio Suite for another edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. This is episode number 149. My name is Gabe Henderson. I have the special privilege of being joined by Vikings team reporter Eric Smith. And as always, my main man Jay Nelson on the ones and twos. How you guys doing? Doing great. Welcome, Eric. Welcome, Eric. Thank you. Welcome and goodbye. <laughs> yeah, welcome and goodbye. We'll we'll get to that a little a little later on in the show because it, it is a. I guess we're going to say goodbye to the off season also because this is the last week of organized team activities here for the Minnesota Vikings, and then next week is mandatory minicamp. So after all this talk that we've done since what January 9th when the last game of the season was up until now. Now we get to see what this new Minnesota Vikings team looks like heading into the fall. So a lot of exciting times. And in the same breath, Eric, I know you said goodbye. Uh, This is your last week with the Minnesota Vikings. We won't tell people where you're going, but this is uh, a bittersweet show, to say the least. Yeah, it is. Um, You know, I've been the Vikings team reporter for the last six and a half years. Uh, Did not know anyone when I moved to Minnesota. Knew almost nothing about the team and... You know, six and a half later, it, it's home. Um, yeah. Great, great people, you know, great memories. I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll get into that later in the show. But, um, yeah, it's been a fantastic run. Um, I, I love the team, love the people here. And um, but it's just time for the next adventure. It's been a lot of fun over these last six years, even just getting to know you and work with you and let alone just see you grow as much as we have. So, again, we'll talk about that more later. But, um, you know, it was one of those things that when we found out that you were going to be leaving us, Gabe and I talked and immediately it was just like, yeah, we got to have Eric on the show Mm -hmm. just to talk through everything and kind of do the cathartic session to get it all out there. So figure give you, uh, you know, kind of let the fans know what was going on. And and again, uh, we're kind of at the end of the off season and a new beginning for you and the team at this point. You know, the funny thing is when I asked Eric uh, last week, maybe two weeks ago, I was like, hey, you want to be on the Minnesota Vikings podcast? He basically told me no. He was like, uh, you were like, uh, let me let me get back to you on like, it. I'm a little busy right <laughs> I got now. A, I got a lot going on I was right say, now, man. Yeah, no. His life is a little chaotic right now. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, for for all good reasons too. Um, I think with with everything that you've got going on, it it resembles life, like a really good life ahead of you. And I'm I'm excited for you. And like I said, we'll talk about that later in the show because today should be a great show. We get an opportunity to answer some of the fan questions, the fan overflow questions. That were submitted via Twitter this week for Pick Six. Pick Six was live, is live on Vikings.com right now. Uh, Eric Smith and Ron Johnson and myself, um, we we answered some fan questions this week, which were it, th- those things are always fun to do. But it's always more fun when you get questions that you can't use and then you can answer them in this week's edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. But before we get to that, we talked about it a little bit earlier, just with the off season kind of just coming and going with the snap of a finger, like. I can't believe that we're literally done with organized team activities. These last five months have absolutely flown. Yeah. In that time, you have hired a GM, hired a coach, went to the combine, brought in free agents, <laughs> drafted a bunch of rookies, and now gone through all of your OTAs. Like It's unbelievable yeah. how quickly that happens. I know there were a group of us that were even looking at each other going, how is it June already? But it's, we throw it out all the time. 
when everyone asks, what do you do in the off season? You just look at it. There is no off season anymore. Nope. It, it is not a thing. So. The only thing about the off season that we get is our weekends. Yeah. And if you're not traveling, if you're traveling, you don't even get those. But yeah, it's yeah. just you have to make time. And I guess that's the other thing, too. When when the shakeup did happen in the front office and the head coach, for some of us that have done that before, you just realize like how much work is about to hit because everything has to be established new. And here's the thing. We've been with those guys for five months. We're still just starting. Like they had to wrap their head around how are we going to handle the football and staffing side. And now you're getting to the point where they there's going to be a little bit of that break after the mini camp, but it's you're still learning faces, names. You know, it's going to take it's a process just to get everybody up to speed and feel like everyone's comfortable with each other at this point. But it feels like it's been a productive off season. It has, it has, yeah, it's been productive. I would agree that it's flown by more so than years past. You know, we've all been here more than one season. We know how the NFL off season goes, but especially. This year, yeah, because we did have transition at the top in the front office. You know, usually when the season ends and the, a team doesn't make the playoffs, you have maybe a month or so of, I don't want to call it downtime, but it's just like a, a much slower pace because you're not in the playoffs. You can yeah. kind of plan ahead. Catch your breath. We didn't do that at all. No, absolutely not. At all. I, I mean, none of us really took a vacation. Like, <laughs> no. we, just kept, we just kept working. Like, January 9, yep. you know, season finale. And then the changes happened the next day on the tenth, and here we are, June third. Yeah, you know, and we're here. We are. We're still. We're still grinding away. We're still grinding away, and it's. I feel like it's just going to continue to to ramp up, even though we do get a month off between. Well, we don't get a month off. There's a month of no, a little over a month of no football between, I believe, June 9th and late July when the players come back for training camp, and that kind of gets it gets us into. Our first fan question from today comes from Ron Rustad at Rustad44. He said, what happened to the offseason? That's correct. It happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, ha- it it did happen. And it was, I think we, we, I think Ron asked that question just because there was so much going on. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, there was never more than two or three days where there wasn't something going on. Maybe not publicly, mm-hmm. right? Like, we, hey, we are trying to hire a GM or a head coach, but internally, like, Ven was working every day, every to, day to, yeah. to plan ahead, you know, to to, to help cover co- everything. Co- yeah, cover it. Uh, even help the football staff in a small part with the hire, kind yeah. of doing our part in, in that search. Um, it, it happened. I mean, the offseason <laughs> he was here. I mean, Gabe and I went to the combine yep. a few months ago, I guess. But like, it feels it like forever. Feels like forever ago. And if you think about it too, like you're on the back end, quote unquote, back end of the pandemic. So everyone was like coming back to work. The offices were yeah. opening back up. All of the season-long restrictions were kind of out the window a little bit at that point. So it's just like there's been a a giant transition that has happened over the last five, six months. Yeah, and I, th- I think you guys both hit it on the head perfectly of just trying to plan ahead. You you kind of miss time. Like you 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 miss the, you know, tr- trying to track time. It's like, okay, well, I got to plan. I got to do this. And then by the time you look at your clock – it's eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, and you got to plan for the next day. So we really haven't had a chance to enjoy the off season. And Vikings fans are probably saying the same thing because usually Vikings fans are, are like, okay, well, there's no football going on. Let's just relax. We know we got to make some moves and uh, maybe fill a position here or sign a contract here. But with the whole new regime, there's whenever we put something out, everybody is clamoring to it. Or if a report comes out from Tom Pelissero or NFL Network everybody is jumping on that. So it's, it's just been an off season. I feel like this is 
this is the off season. I don't know. I don't, it feels like a regular season. This off season has felt like it. Renewed yeah. optimism is is something that can actually be a little tiring. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> there's just a whole lot of new and everyone trying to figure it all out. And but it's it it's been a fun and exciting version at this point. And I think you know with the way that everything ended in January and kind of just the feeling of of frustration across the board by a bunch of people to see the way things have gone and to feel like as smoothly as things have gone has been a, a welcome treat for everyone at this point. Well, speaking of excitement, um, a lot of fans are excited about the upcoming schedule and we know all the games are out, all the times are out. We open up with the green Bay Packers, but this next fan question comes from a cam comes from cam uh, at King Woody G. <laughs> nice. <laughs> He says, why are we always going to Green Bay at the end of the season? I think I have a theory on that, and uh, it kind of goes back to when I first started here. So my first week with the team was at the end of the 2015 season, and that's when the Vikings went to Green Bay, went to Lambeau, won in prime time to win the NFC North. Yep. And it was a great game. And you have to think that the schedule makers and, and the league and the, the all the TV people were like, oh, Vikings-Packers, it's already mm-hmm. a great rivalry. But if you put it late in the season, and you know that like old NFL film voice, you yeah. know Lambeau yes. Field, yeah. and <laughs> you know it's usually, it's always cold and you know blustery, like that's football weather. And yeah. why not have a great rivalry at the end of the year? You know the NFL has really focused on division matchups in the last couple of weeks of the season at the playoff near. I think it's it's a good fit. You know you would want the Packers to come here, right? You know, I'm sure they would too, preferably, right? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it it kind of alternates, I guess, because the Packers did come here at the end of 2019. Um, so it kind of happens, you know, here and there. But it's just a, a good rivalry and, and a lot of eyeballs on that game. If you look at the way that this year's schedule is laid out, too, you essentially have all your divisional opponents in the at home in the first five weeks. And then the back end of the season, you bookend it by going to their places. So, like, there is a little bit of balance there. But I think, just like you said, they want the visuals of people bundled up in snowsuits. They want <laughs> snow falling on the ground. They want the picturesque piece of it. And I think the idea of of for everyone who's potentially not involved in that game being 10 below or something crazy, the idea of being at Lambeau Field at the end of the season for all the marbles type type scenarios, that's what they're looking for. And so, I, I mean, you had Green Bay come here for the beginning of, uh, during the pandemic, which the fans got cheated out of at that point yeah. with no fans in the building. This year, you're going to get them at home week one out of the gate. You're just going to get bookended by having to go to Green Bay for week 17 and Chicago for week 18. And Jeez. so the team's going to have to really be on their P's and Q's and know they're going to have some hard-fought cold games at the end of the season. Oh, it's, it's coming. And I just remember doing some of the schedule reactions with some of the players and you know revealing the schedule. Tatum and I did some, and we, we revealed the schedules to them as we were live. So it, for some reason, the first game that they saw was the January 1st and then the January 8th game, both in Green Bay and then Chicago. So they feel the same way that we do. They're like, why do we got to like, why do we got to go to Chicago? Why, why do we have, to, why do we got to go to Green Bay? And I think that, like you said, it makes for entertaining football. It makes for, I mean, New Year's Day. Like it makes for fans clamoring, sitting in front of their couches, watching the game. And for us that, that have to be there, like for me last year, that was the coldest game I had ever been a part of. January 2nd, it was negative four degrees. You were there, right, Eric? I thought that out. Lucky you. It was negative four at kickoff and like, Lambeau Field's turf or grass was frozen. So it was just 
And it's brutal because they have a heated field, but it was so cold (laughs) out that like almost the condensation that was on top was just frozen. So like it's, but here's the thing at Chicago on that grass field, that stuff's usually super long. So that's an even bigger mess. We're a little bit of a prisoner of the moment though on this stuff too, because there've been plenty of years where we've had Chicago at home to finish out the season, (laughs) Detroit at home to finish out the season. Usually it's not a green Bay at home, but it has been a scenario where we have had a bunch of home finales to, for all the marbles, and sometimes it's worked and other times it hasn't. But right. for this one, I just think it's got to be the picturesque idea of the fact that you're playing Green Bay potentially for for a shot at the division title in the last couple of weeks is appealing to him. Well, a guy that's played the Green Bay Packers a lot is C.J. Ham, And this next question is referred to C.J. Ham from Julio Del Real on Twitter. Um, Julio says, will Kevin O'Connell try to put C.J. Ham at tight end and see what he can do since he has shown the capable ability of catching the ball when given the opportunity? Yeah, I think C.J. is going to line up all over. I mean, he's going to be at fullback, tight end, H-back. He has shown that versatility. He's probably, honestly, one of the most versatile players on the team. And maybe he doesn't get that recognition because his position title is fullback, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's one of the few fullbacks left in, in, in the NFL. But, yeah, he's going to line up all over. Um, he, he actually did that a lot last year. He, he lined up a tight end quite a bit. Yep. So he has that experience. Uh, the other reason I would agree is who's the – or or sort of what is the tight end depth chart behind Irv? That's something that is going to have to be shaken out during yeah. camp. You know, there's there's Johnny Munt and, and Zach Davidson and, and Ben Ellison. Uh, there's the, the rookie, uh, Nick Muse. Mm-hmm. I mean, but other than Irv, that's not a real like proven group. And so if CJ can come in and maybe be like fullback one, tied into H back, like, you know, yeah. he, he can maybe line up out wide. He can do everything. He can do like, so much with him. Yeah. I, he's a guy like, find a way to get that man on the field. For sure. I like that idea. Yeah. I mean, it kind of that idea of the, the multi positional player at, at tight end. That was Jim Kleinsaucer back in the day. Jim was a lot bigger. He was almost, he was a default lineman. That guy was a tank. But the idea with CJ being as athletic and as versatile as he is, I mean, there were times last year they were splitting him out wide, and you're like, wait, that's CJ Ham <laughs> out wide. But, but again, this goes back to a theme we've talked about for months now after Kevin's been talking about it. The idea that we're going to get mismatches out in space and make people have to pay defensively. Right for what they try to scheme us and try to do. CJ is a prime example of that. There was uh, last season uh, kind of a little screen pass out to him out in the flat or out in the, the kind of the periphery. And he just, he's like, okay, there's nobody within 15 yards of me. I'm just going to go right. and bulldog a guy when he gets close to me. I think CJ Ham, being a former, you know, running back H back type guy. Now he's a fullback, but he can catch him. We've seen that. He has got to be a guy that, you know, kind of like San Francisco likes to use a use check, yep. put him all over the field and he can catch it or he can just hand it off and let him go. He is a guy that can be more versatile. Yeah, I'm just thinking of that. I think it was a 27 or 37 yard catch against yep. the Baltimore Ravens last yep. year. It might have been third or fourth down. And you just look at it and say, oh, he's a fullback making that kind of play. Kevin O'Connell, Wes Phillips, all these coaches on the offensive side of the ball, they've probably seen that play over and over and over in other athletic plays that C.J. Ham has made and say, okay, like Eric said, we got to find a way to put this guy on the field. And I think it's a really good problem to have if you're a coach. You, we always hear coaches talking about, well, we want these guys to make it tough for us. And C.J. Ham is making it tough for whether it's Brian Angelico or 
uh, the running backs coach, Kevin O'Connell or Wes Phillips. He's you got to find a way to put this guy on the field. So I think he will thrive in this offense. I do believe we'll see him at tight end uh, here and there. But I, I think it'll be a, an unorthodox look at tight end. I don't think he'll just line up right beside Irv Smith Jr. with his hands on the ground. So we'll see how that how that how that all shakes out. But ultimately, we hope wherever he is on the field, that leads to touchdowns and which leads us to our next question which comes from at Michael 510 That sounds like a TV show. I was going to say, uh, I think he would either that is a very specific number to his life or he <laughs> may have got the generic Twitter handle. Yeah, that's probably the three million, five millionth Michael on Twitter. Right Gabe, now. is that your burner account? Do you really want to come clean or what are we doing here? I wasn't going to say it on this podcast, but since you put me on the spot, uh, I may, gotcha. may or may not know Michael. Gotcha. But Michael wants to know, what is your favorite Vikings touchdown celebration thus far? Um, I'm going against the grain. Okay. I'll let you guys go first. I think the one that was probably the most creative was a few years ago when they did the limbo. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. I mean, doing the limbo out there with a player as the limbo stick, that was, that was impressive to me. That's gotta be one of my, one of my more creative ones I've seen. Yeah. I'll pick, I'll pick two creative. I guess it was more spur of the moment, but when dig scored on the Minneapolis miracle, just him throwing his helmet, like helmet truck, just, spontaneous like incredible iconic play yeah i don't know if, if we can uh, classify this as creative but to me like the gritty will is always <laughs> at the top of the list um just because it's it's so cool you yeah. know and like because it's, it's justin jefferson he scores a lot of touchdowns he looks awesome while he's doing it he's about the only one who does everyone else is not good <laughs> Everyone's at trying it. to figure it out still <laughs> but uh but yeah, I'd say the gritty and and digs for sure. I believe the gritty is on Madden this year, and JJ said he's not going to stop doing the gritty until it is on Madden. So that's the thing now. It's like, does the gritty retire now that it made Madden and it's a worldwide? It is worldwide thing. We'll I mean, see. I mean, it's in the it, it's to the point now where I can't walk down the street without seeing a kid like gritty <laughs> at a baseball game or something. You've got international soccer players yeah, doing it yeah. for celebrations now like it has gone completely insane i am really curious to see you know score a touchdown in london oh my and gosh. to let him do it there and just see how much even more it blows up or oh. just like a roar of applause for something like that but i mean recently yeah you cannot that is the answer recently the gritty has just completely taken over We'll see if they, if he if he scores in London, that place is going to go crazy if he gritties. Um, well, that the last thing was Adam scoring and then doing the soccer slide with yeah. the fist pump, and everyone loved that one. Oh. Let him start grittying in London, and you'll just see it go even further. Like JJ's already a superstar; he'll be an international superstar if he does that. My favorite um, touchdown celebration of all time, Jay. You and I talked about this a while ago. I don't think you were a huge – you may have been a fan of – I just don't remember our conversation, but the Get Your Roll On by Dante Culpepper. Oh, yeah. I, I love that. Classic. Man. I love that. Whenever he scored, the dude, the Get Your Roll On, I thought it was like very uh, uncoordinated and unorthodox, but he made it look good. People loved it because it was a, something as simple as just, you know, start – everyone wanted to do yeah. it. And it was the same kind of thing <laughs> back then. You'd see in high school games and stuff, people just doing like the roll. Yep. And then the best part was the big fist pump at the end, like, mm-hmm. you know, nailed it kind of a thing. Yeah, the get your roll on was pretty good. If I really have to go back to one from the old, old, old school days, and by saying that, it's just when I was a kid, the Icky Shuffle by Icky oh, Woods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I we played a game in Cincinnati. Adrian Peterson was on the team. Getting to see Icky Woods behind mm. the stage in the hallway 
wanting to meet Adrian Peterson and seeing those two guys shake hands, mm. I wanted Icky to bust it out there. <laughs> and then they put the commercial out, the Geico commercial, and he was going to get you know cold cuts, and he's get your cold cuts. Yeah. And I was like, I still, as, since I was a kid, I love the Icky shuffle. Man, that's that's legendary. Legendary celebrations, legendary memories that Vikings fans have with the the Minneapolis miracle. Justin Jefferson scoring his first touchdown, doing a gritty, going worldwide. Get your roll on. Just so many different things that has made these Vikings fans celebrate together, which I think is going to be a lot more celebrations this year because I believe there's going to be a lot more touchdowns and maybe there's a new touchdown dance that goes viral that starts here in Minnesota. But this last question comes from a coworker of ours who submitted this on Twitter. Uh, His name is B-Raj, and he says, when someone says it's 5 o'clock somewhere, is that true? Is is it really always 5 o'clock somewhere in the world at all times? Really interested to hear your guys' thoughts. I mean, I guess I don't, I'm not a, <laughs> and like an astute world traveler, like the most I've gone international obviously is, is London a couple of years ago. I've mm-hmm. been to Mexico, but I guess it's five o'clock. It's five at, o'clock somewhere. Somewhere. On the hour, every yeah. hour. Yep. Yeah. But it, it, but it has to be on the hour, right? Yeah. If it's 2.30, it's not I mean, five o'clock in I mean, Aruba. Right. You know? but, it, but if it's 2.30, then it's 5.30 somewhere. But Correct. the idea, I mean- I really feel like I should just start playing some Jimmy Buffett music if we're doing the five o'clock somewhere. B. Raj apparently has booked his vacation at this point where he's got five o'clock somewhere on his mind. Uh, But I mean, yeah, I mean, technically it's five o'clock somewhere all the time. Now, the real question is, is it five o'clock somewhere because you want to know the time Mm. or is it five o'clock somewhere because you're looking for a reason to be able to do what you want to do that's not work and just. And go Relax, to a happy hour. Have a happy hour and do your thing. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett. Hey, you can go on uh, Sirius XM. They got the Radio Margaritaville. You can always <laughs> listen to Jimmy Buffett 24 hours a day. I'm sure that's a way to find it out. I guess I'm going to have to have a little conversation with B-Raj to little bit on that. <laughs> B-Raj does great work here for the Minnesota Vikings. And um, it's good just to just to have a, a question not about football. We have we have other questions on Twitter, but we usually get to those in pick six. So having these over, overflow questions today. Uh, it was really fun to have. But moving on, um, closing out the show, um, Eric, we know this is your last week, but for some reason we can't get you out of here. You just finished an article that's on Vikings.com called Kevin O'Connell's Progression to Profession. What was the the inspiration behind that? Yeah, I started working on this uh, a couple months ago uh, before I knew I was leaving. Um, you know me, I always love a good long form, as, uh, as Jay knows. <laughs> Um, you know, and I really wanted to kind of find out who Coach O'Connell was as a player, you know, because he did, you know, he was a third round draft pick. He did spend a couple years in the NFL. He didn't play a whole lot, but I thought, okay, how did his time as a player kind of shape him into him becoming a head coach? And so I kind of looked back at, at his career and I said, okay, well, he started in New England and played with Matt Castle and then he went to the Jets for a couple years. And it's like, who can I talk to that kind of knew him? back then Mm. um and so i talked to three people who had great insight i talked to matt castle who was actually the starter in uh new england that year because that was the year that tom brady got hurt yeah he tore his acl yeah uh in week one and then the next year kevin goes to the jets and that's where mark sanchez is the quarterback for a couple years and also that year uh in 09 10 11 it was a couple years where Mike Pettin was actually with the Jets as the defensive coach, and obviously Pett is here now yeah. on Kevin's staff, so a, a great connection there. Um, just wanted to, like I said, find out who Kevin was. How did he get here? 
you know, because when, when you're not a high profile player, I feel like your work kind of go, goes unnoticed a little bit. Mm. So, yeah, I had five questions for each of them and, you know, they could answer it however long or short they wanted. And the mic was there, really. Like, mm. take the floor. Tell me what you want about Kevin. Probably the best story that I got out of it was from Sanchez. And he said that, you know, I asked him what his favorite memory for for, for Kevin was. He said that the night before their games, um, when they were all with the Jets, it was Sanchez, Kevin, and Mark Brunel was actually a quarterback on, on that team too. Mm-hmm. So three, you know, well-known names. They would sit in Kevin's hotel room in, in the team hotel. It was room 408, and Kevin would run him through the two-minute drill. Sanchez obviously was the starter, you know, and and those Jet teams were good. You know, yeah, they were, they were they going were. to the AFC Championship. Mm-hmm. They were they were good. Sanchez was like he was like my my coach, my brother, you know, like mm-hmm. he walked me through the two-minute drill and said, hey, uh, it's third and five at the 50. Um, you got 30 seconds left. Here's the play call. Walk me through it. Okay, uh, you got seven, a seven-yard pass. The, the clock's running. What do you do? Like, And Sanchez said he felt so prepared going into games. And Sanchez was a young quarterback back then. I think that might have been his rookie year back Staying then close. in 09. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so it's just great stuff. And stories like that, you don't necessarily hear about all the time, right? But I heard that and I thought, okay, that's that's how Kevin is going to be a good head coach because yeah. he knows the game. He knows the details of the game. And I, I hope he does well. Yeah, I hope he does well too. And just I think that that moment with Mark Sanchez came full circle, right? Um, when I was in Washington and Kevin O'Connell was the quarterback's coach, we signed – Mark Sanchez, middle of the year, um, right after um, right after Alex Smith broke his leg. And I remember Mark Sanchez, his first week on the job, we brought him in on a Monday, and he was the backup quarterback. Colt McCoy was the starting quarterback going into that Monday night football game. Second drive of the game, Colt McCoy breaks his leg. So Mark Sanchez doesn't really know the plays, gets in, and then him and Kevin are just talking this entire time. And I talked to Kevin about this when he first got hired. And Kevin was like, yeah, he was just giving him calls from when they were in New York together. Like, okay, Jets calls. Yeah, yeah. Subway or uh, Metro. And he's like, this is just just do this and we'll, we'll get through the game. The first play of the, the first play that Mark Sanchez had, Philly had punted it down it at the 10 yard line. First play was a handoff to Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson ran 90 yards, 90 yard touchdown. And from there we lost the game. But still, you knew Kevin and Mark Sanchez had some kind of chemistry that not many people knew about. So it was kind of a full circle moment probably for Kevin having Mark as his quarterback instead of a teammate. You know, the funny part is too, like you you said, Brunel was part of that group. I completely forgot about that. And the first name I thought of to say kind of the journeyman guy who was good at times when he had to be was Brunel. That was the name that popped in my head. So those three guys being together, that just, that makes total sense that think about the amount of knowledge of football just in those three people um, the other thing that, that comes out of that too with O'Connell is there's a, a theme. I have a friend who, whose son is, he's a little bit younger, but he's progressing through like doing jujitsu type stuff. And he started doing it as a kid. And then as a teenager, he kind of had to make a decision. Like, do I want to keep doing this or not? He absolutely loved it. And for him, the, the adults looked at him as like a 15, 16 year old and said, if you want to progress into the adult classes, we want to have you help the kids classes. What it did though was. All of a sudden, he went from being good to insanely good. Mm -hmm. And when they asked him why, he said, because I have to teach it. 
And by teaching it, I have to mentally step through it to explain it to other people to figure out how to get there. Once he started doing that, all of a sudden he's chunking information and processing quicker. And so for a guy like Kevin O'Connell to be the backup quarterback, have to know everything about that. And then he's doing things like essentially flashcards to Mark Sanchez and Brunel the night before. For a guy like that, it makes complete sense. He turned into quarterback's coach, you know, and a head coach eventually because he had to go through those steps over and over again, not only as a player, but then once he got into the coaching ranks. So that that's an awesome story to have that as a backdrop to say, like, you know, how do you get to where you're going to be by doing everything that you can mm. as a player that eventually sets you up for your future. That's great. And I think we all know too, right? The the life of a backup quarterback, you have to be ready. Yeah. You know, people say, oh, it's just the guy holding the clipboard. But if Colt McCoy breaks his leg, you're in, right? right. For sure. Uh, and Kevin, he only threw six passes in his career. So he didn't, he barely played. And, and I actually asked him that, like, on the day he got hired in his introductory press conference. I said, I said, hey, are you going to call plays? And if so, how are you kind of prepared for that? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to call plays. But believe me, man, I spent a lot of time on the sideline watching the game and that what prepared me. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily playing, but it was the watching and learning. And, you know, it was Monday through Saturday in the classroom, in the meeting room, trying to help my teammates. That That's what got me ready to go. Yeah, usually backup quarterbacks are, are some of the best coaches. We, we talk about this all the time. Well, we, Eric and I, we've talked before. I think, Jay, we talked about it too. For sure. Sean Mayen is yeah. going to be a really good head coach. Uh, really good opportunity for Kevin O'Connell here with his first year with the Minnesota Vikings. Really good article. Um, it's on Vikings.com right now. It's got, got some really cool pictures in there, too. Mark Sanchez uh, put a picture in there of him and Kevin O'Connell and Mark Brunell from back in the day. So, um, Vikings fans, make sure you, you, you tune into that article. It's on Vikings.com right now by Vikings team reporter Eric Smith. And with that news, Eric, um, the last week, your last week here, man, um, we, we talked about it before. This is just for me, I'm, I was I was like devastated when I when I heard the news of, of you leaving. I knew for a little bit, but it's still not easy seeing a brother go. And I know you're you're going on to you know uh, great things on in your life with with your family and your next uh, venture in life. But but still, it, it still sucks just to have to sit here and say and be professional and say, man, Eric, I'm I'm so happy for your next opportunity because I am happy, but I'm also still a little upset that you that you're leaving. But we we, we were so I'm I'm thankful to call you a brother, but more importantly, I'm thankful to to be able to work beside you. Uh, you've pushed me so much in my career. Um, you, you've helped me in in ways that you would never ever imagine. Like you, you, we we've had plenty of talks, too many talks. I've probably bothered you way too much, like I bothered Jay now. Um, but I, I just appreciate all that you do, man. Um, you're one of the hardest workers I've ever met in my life, and I know that's only going to translate to you being a dad now, to you being a husband. And ultimately, to you being the, the leader that I know that you already are, but the next generation of people that work with you are already going to see. I was going to say, thanks a lot, Eric. Now I got to deal with this guy more. It's going to be bugging me more. <laughs> no, I, honestly, Eric, uh, you know, I kind of alluded to it earlier. I think the the best part about this is seeing just how much growth there's been over the, over the time. And we were talking the other day about the fact that, you know, you coming in, when you did and when your first official game was, you know, just freezing weather, cold game, TCF kind of thing. I, I, I remember, um, you know, those kind of games and those kind of moments. But what I really remember is being able to interact with people and kind of getting to know people and 
working in this job as long as I have you, you people kind of try to figure out what is this job like? You know, who do you know? What do you know? What we really come to understand, I think, is the more you work with specific people, you start to understand them a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, I think you start to really understand after all of the hours and days that we've put in in this job kind of what makes people tick a little bit more and I think the best part for me is the fact that the opportunity that you have in front of you that you've you've chosen to take um, is an absolute perfect fit and I think for someone like you that you know wants to keep ascending in your job and you want to do things and and by doing the Kevin O'Connell piece 500 wins piece and everything else that you've done to this point is going to set you up for for great things here coming up with your new gig. So I'm I'm sad to see you go, just like mm-hmm. Gabe at the same point. I'm super excited for you because I think this is an opportunity you've been waiting for for a long time. Well, definitely um, thank you to, to both you guys. Yes, sir. Um, you know, I, there, there's a lot of people in VEN, right? And I don't think people know that. there's, there's This is a department of 30 people. Mm-hmm. Um, I've probably worked with you two maybe the closest over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously with Craig and Lindsay as well, but just on a daily basis, just chatting, right, about the team, about life, uh, about stories, uh, projects I'm working on. Um, you two have been so valuable to me as, as a coworker and as people just helping me grow. Um, you know, and I've thought about that a lot in the last, you know, week or two as I, I knew my time here was, uh, was coming to an end. Um, you know, I have, I am in a much different place place in my life than I was when I got here. You know, I had my girlfriend at the time when I, mm-hmm. when I moved here. Right. And she's now my wife. So I, I did get married, but you know, I just had a daughter a month ago. Um, you know, I have a dog, like, you know, my, yeah. my life is just different. I'm, I got hired when I was 26 and I felt like I was a kid who had no NFL experience. And now, you know, I'm about to turn 33. I'm just, I've, I've grown up, I've grown yeah. up here, you know? Um, and so I have a I have a farewell piece coming out on Friday. Uh, you can check that out too at Vikings.com. Um, just kind of highlighting my favorite you know moments and, and memories and and all that. Um, you know, and, and there's some games in there. Obviously, the miracle makes the list, right? Like yeah, it's a sure. top it's a top five list. The miracles on there. There's some other like special moments too. But um, my number one memory is going to be the people and. You know, Gabe, I know I said this on pick six, but, you know, I was talking to someone recently and we talked about how it's the relationships in this building, uh, in the, in this league are, are what last. It's, it's not the games, right? Like the games happen, you win, you lose, you move on to the next week. It, it happens so fast. It's not the practices, right? Those are over in two hours mm-hmm. and then you move on to the next day, right? And like the story of the team is told, you know, on a daily basis, you know, throughout the years. But it's the people that kind of make that that work. Um, you know, there are great people in this organization. Um, you know, from from the top down that have been, you know, so good to me over the years. And it, not even not even for content, right? Just as people. Yeah. Um, yeah, a, a lot of good people. I think of, I think of people like Dennis Ryan. You know, who has been here forever and. Um, you know, he is just a legend. Um, you know, there are, there are some people who aren't here anymore. I think of like Fred Zamberletti. For sure. Um, you know, players, coaches, you know, even even the people that aren't, the you know, 
my entire time here, we had the same coaching staff, essentially. You know, just at the very end, we have a new coaching staff here, and I think they're going to be great. I am big fans of, of Quasey, of Kevin. But, you know, the old coaching staff w- was good to me, too, even when times were tough, you know, trying to help me out. You know, it, the players were fantastic. You know, I think back on some fun stuff I got to do. You know, I mean, how many people can say they got to fly in like a World War II bomber with Harrison Smith? Right. Oh, exactly. Like just awesome stuff. Like taking a peek under the helmet and like seeing who these guys are as people is, is something I'll treasure forever. Um, and I'll miss it. You know, I, I might not miss the weather. You know, <laughs> um, you know, I am. I, I guess I need to say this. I, I am leaving the Vikings. Um, I am going to another NFL team. I'm going to announce that in a couple of weeks. I'm going to try to take some time off, yeah. focus on being a dad, um, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm still going to be around the NFL. Uh, it's just not with the Vikings, but I am very grateful um, for my time here. And, uh, you know, I will always root for the Vikings from afar and always have a, a piece of purple in my heart. The thing about it too, Eric, I think is you were talking about the the people and, and kind of that realization. When fans tend to ask me now, um, kind of, why don't you take that loss as hard or why, you know, why why don't you kind of hate that other team kind mm-hmm. of a thing? The longer you are in this job, the more you realize the entire NFL is 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 a giant fraternity. Oh yeah. And the amount of you know, like you said, you were here for an entire time with the coaching staff. There's a big change. And guess what? All of those people went to different teams. It's harder to root against other people that you personally know and admire when they're working for other teams. You might not want them to win, especially I, it's kind of the, the joke of I want you to win every week except for when we play you, you know, things like that. And I think the fact that not only are you one of those people that is now moving on to another another team, and being able to work with them, I think the best part for us is going to be able to watch you grow and to understand kind of where you started, where you were with us, and then to see how much everything changes for you, not only personally, but professionally in the next round. And and that is what we hope for. That is what you want friends, family, coworkers, people that you really admire what they do. You want to see them succeed. And that that is something that you will know from here Coming from Minnesota, we want to see you succeed in this job, and we just wish you all the best. And we know you will. For sure. And that's the thing with, with just us knowing you for a while. We, we know you you always find a way to figure it out. So we're, it's just going to be a little bit tougher trying to figure things out without you because I'm, I'm, I'll be blowing your phone up. You know this. But at the same time, it's, it's, it's going to be tough just, just knowing that um, you're not here anymore, but we're we're super pumped for you, super excited. It's going to be um, a great year wherever you do go and uh, for you and your family. So I got one last thing I want to okay. say. I read this on on this podcast when we were talking about all the changes with the coaches and stuff. There was something I wrote down. It was a, a TV program that I liked, and all of a sudden somebody said something. I'm like, I got to write that down because it, it fits in certain situations. And for me, I feel like it fits in this situation. The quote from the show, he said, one gets used to a state of affairs for such a long time, it's easy to forget they're all just transitions. Mm. Specks of dust in the air until a strong enough gust comes along and rearranges them. A strong gust has come to this place. That, I think, is something that everyone needs to understand, that we get used to and complacent at times for certain things, but when you do have a big change like that, a lot of times it's for the best, and we wish you all the best. With that note, 
Vikings fans, thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. For Eric Smith and Jay Notson, my name is Gabe Henderson. We will talk to you guys next week.